If you're ready to confront your destiny, if this is the moment that you've been praying for, tune in and listen to your cosmic cheerleader, Commander Lady Athena, for cosmic pep talks, for closet Christ. The show is the voice of the Ashtar Command. The call is for you to step forward into your greatness. Be listening on Wednesday. We have an appointment with destiny. Greetings in the supreme love of which we are each an embodiment. I'm Commander Lady Athena, and you're listening to the voice of the Ashtar Command. Cosmic pep talks for Closet Christs. Our seminar topic is, Life is Game On. <laughs> Life is game on. <laughs> Life is a game. Play it. So, if you're ready to play this game and look at it perhaps in a way you've never looked at it before, let's get going here. Let's start with taking a deep breath and relax into the present moment. With your next deep breath, I'm going to ask you to call yourselves forward in a divine continuum of consciousness as high as you can imagine and bring that down consciously through the center of your head all the way through your body and down into your feet. Ready? Deep breath. Ah. Now make a conscious effort, intention, to activate the light within every cell of your being. Activate the immortal part of yourself that inhabits every single level of your being. Activate the radiant health that is your natural state at each level. Make a conscious intention to own yourself, okay? Deep breath. Excellent. And now ask for the clearance that whatever could be lifted that you don't have to carry from this moment, that that be done. And ask for what you want. Ask and you shall receive. Seek and you shall find. Knock and the door shall be opened. For you. So let's chant on IQ three times, which brings us into a beautiful harmonic resonance with each other, with the divine source, and with all who share the life 
with us. Ready? game are you playing in life? (laughs) Did you ever consider life as a game? (laughs) Probably not. Probably not, because most of us are so darn serious. (laughs) We forget to laugh, we forget to play, we forget none of this means anything, it's just a game. It's not eternal, therefore it's not real. Separation was never authorized by God. It was a departure that formed as a separative point of view that we call the ego. It was all created by our, I would say, collective choice to experience what it would be like to live in a world that seemed and appeared to be separate separate from source, separate from each other. And so that's a game we're playing. Temporarily, thank God. (laughs) Temporarily. And because it's temporary, it's really quite meaningless, and it's just simply a game, and nothing that we need to take seriously. However, most of us certainly do take our life very, very seriously. So... Sai Baba often uh, teaches, life is a game, play it. Life is a game, play it. He also says, face the devil. What's the devil? Our, Our ego, our separative sense of self. Fight to the finish. Fight what? Well, obviously, fight our ignorance, our lower nature, the things that cause us to be unloving and unkind to one another. That would be the lower nature, the ego. Or to fight that, to overcome that. And he said, finish the game. Well, what does that mean? You win this game when you realize your divine self that never in highest truth has ever been here at all. That's the whole point. Wake up to the fact that you have never in highest truth stopped being God, stopped being immortal, stopped being omniscient, stopped being omnipotent. That means all everywhere present, all-knowing, all-powerful. Why? Because in highest truth you are the divine, undifferentiated self. And so to win the game is to realize who you are. That ends the game. Until then, we are game on. So, did you ever consider your life is like a a spread 
of cards that have been dealt to you? I mean, really. Look at the cards that have been dealt into your life. That's what you're to play. That that consists of the game that your particular life is all about. So life is a game. Play it. Play it. Play the cards that you've been dealt. What does that mean? It means work with what you've been given to work with. With the skill set you have acquired, what would that be? Your interests, your talents, your ambitions, your goals, the things that are meaningful to you, the things that you, by nature, are drawn to participate in, your background, your training, all of those things have been part of the operative skill set that you have come in with that you've acquired from previous births. Sometimes you've been, for example, very, very proficient in a particular area in a past life. So you'll have an inherent interest and knowledge of it, but you don't have the card spread that means you're to participate in it in this lifetime. Say, for example, you might have been a great musician in the past. This lifetime, you're not to focus on being a great musician as a one-only talent, but you would have an innate knowing and understanding of music and a natural love of it but perhaps without the talent or the background or the ability to actually pursue that as a career because it's a learned skill. You don't need to repeat the past. Sometimes people will find out uh, either it's been revealed to them inwardly, they've realized it, or they've had a reading where someone has said, oh, you were such and such in the past life. And you look at your present life and you think, wow, I can't even carry a tune in a basket. Or I, I, you know... Totally lost interest when I was taking piano lessons. That's what we're talking about here. You're not to focus in that particular area in this particular lifetime. And I could apply to almost anything that you have a latent skill, uh, but not a present interest in pursuing. So whatever is in your life has come to help you. Did you ever think about that? Everything that has come into your life has come to help you. It's a friend. What if it's some terrible disease? It's a friend. It's come to free you. Everything in your life has come to help you to answer your prayer to be free, to be liberated, to be truly happy, to be truly home. Everything. Everything will end happily for you. How can that be? Well, Jesus teaches in A Course in Miracles that a happy outcome to all things is assured. I think we can hang our hat on that one. All of the problems we have in life, without exception, come with identifying ourselves as a body. Jesus also teaches in A Course in Miracles, I am not a body. 
I am free, for I remain as God created me. Okay, if I'm not a body, then who the heck am I? You are immortal spirit, having a temporary human experience. That's it. So know that the mind itself, that thinking monkey mind that never stops chattering, is actually, in fact, unreal. Nothing it says is real or means anything. Nothing that arises in this monkey mind deserves any more than a quiet dismissing and a choosing again to take a deep breath and integrate your God presence as unshakable truth. Unshakable knowing. And the more you constantly bring yourself present to that core essence, you're going to feel like you're just flapping in the wind. Because we have to anchor, we have to have an anchor for our presence here. And that anchor is when you are able to consciously take that breath and know that that breath is God living in you and breathing through you and living you. That breath is living you, not that separate sense of self that you've imagined to be who you are. Breath and spirit are one. To take that deep breath with conscious awareness anchors you. Moreover, a deeper sense of anchoring comes when you're able to connect with that living word that lives in you as you. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and nothing was created that was not created of the Word. And that Word lives in you as the sound current. And once you have been able to register, to hear, to consciously connect with that sound current in the center of your skull, You will be anchored beyond all dimensions, beyond this world, beyond all the happenings of this world. And you'll no longer feel like you're flapping in the breeze. You'll no longer feel like you could possibly ever be lost or ever buy into the illusion of separation from the all that is. So do, beloved, seek to find that solid anchoring within your own self, within your breath, which constantly is being breathed 21,600 times a day. You are breathing. And with every breath, you are saying, so hum, so hum, hum, sa. Hung-sa. So 
hum. I am. With every breath. It's telling you who you are forever. The I am that I am. So all that arises in the mind is unreal. None of our thoughts about anyone or anything mean anything. And again, that's a teaching from A Course in Miracles. Our thoughts really represent past conditioning. So whenever you're thinking and worrying and going on, that's your past conditioning trying to pollute your future. Quietly dismiss them. Take a deep breath. Breathe in God. Breathe out love. And in that love, you see, the negativity is dispersed. You see, life is going to put the squeeze, the squeeze on each one of us and pressure us and press out everything until only love, the nectar of devotion, the nectar of purity, the nectar of sweet, loving regard for all life, until only that is is going to be pressed out of us. And you can tell how far you are in that pressure You know, we always want the uh, virgin olive oil. We always want the pure nectar of the rose, the distilled pure essence of the rose. We always want the, the pure first product of the pressure of whatever it is we want to extract the essence from. And life is like that. It puts the squeeze on every area where there's any kind of toxicity, any kind of, uh, oh, anything but love. And until only love emerges, no matter how much the pressure is put on us, we still have some pressurizing to be experienced in our life. So only the thoughts we think with God are real. That's another quote from A Course in Miracles. What are the thoughts we think of God, with God? Only truth. Truth. Unchanging, unmodifiable. I would say it best expresses as a loving kinship in harmonious coexistence with all people and things all the time. You get to that point where you're just your default expression, your your default response to anyone or anything is loving kindness. There just isn't anything left in there. Now, I'm speaking about this particular localized, um, oh, how far can we take it? Let's just go as far as the universe and the solar system is based on the second ray, which is love-wisdom, wisdom-love. So you have the, the two preeminent focal points for love, which would be the Christ, and wisdom, which would be the Buddha, and they work together. Love-wisdom, love-wisdom, love-wisdom. 
And this reality that we are to realize and experience in this particular solar system and this particular universe is God is love. And the proof of the presence of God is loving. And the proof that one knows God is love. So, you know, it gets really, really simple. Now, there's other universes and other solar systems where maybe the focus is will. Maybe the focus is some other quality. But we're talking about here and now in this particular solar system in this particular universe. <coughs> Excuse me. So our thoughts in general almost always represent our past conditioning. If you look at your thoughts, there are associations and assumptions and things that we have accepted, but perhaps never really realize that they are a departure from reality and a departure from truth. So our, our present loving acceptance of what is now before us is all that's required. We might think, wow, that's, that's just too easy. Well, it is so easy and so simple, I think a lot of us don't realize how very uncomplicated reality is and how terribly uh, conflicted and confusing unreality is. We just don't realize that truth is so simple. But again, it's been our past conditioning that we have to face and work with until it processes through. So our own present loving acceptance of what is right now in our life with the card spread that we've been dealt for this incarnation. So looking at your life as a card spread, as a game, and finding where there is a resistance, a dislike, an aversion, maybe even a hatred, that is what's coming forward for your loving. That is what's coming forward to be taken home through your love. That is what is coming to you, praying to you to be set free. Yes, that's that part of you that is trapped in its own hell that is coming to you as the Savior. It's coming to you because you're the creator of that particular being, that particular Momentum, a particular aspect of consciousness is coming home to you because you're the only one that can heal it and dissolve it in your loving. So living the present moment and loving trust and assurance is what assures a future totally unlike your past. So if you really want a future that's completely unlike your past, is to live in loving trust today, right now. Well, what if I've just been uh, diagnosed with cancer? It's a stage three or a stage four. 
How can I love that? How can I trust that? How can I not feel I'm being punished for something bad I've done in the past life? Loving trust that everything in your life has come in answer to your prayer for freedom. Well, how can I love that? You see, the approach almost invariably on this planet is to fight, to battle. You know, you hear it all the time, I'm battling cancer or I'm, I'm battling this disease or that disease or whatever. Have you ever considered that disease as a friend? No, probably not. It's hard to do. But it's important to consider it in a different way. Because if you attack it, then it attacks you. You give and you receive at the same time. So what if you flooded that tumor, that disease, that that pain, whatever, with your loving blessing? your loving acknowledgement that it is coming to you as a form of a prayer, of a petition for your loving recognition. Love can actually dissolve any dissonance in your life, any disease, any pain, As an individual, this instrument that is speaking to you, called Commander Lady Athena, has been through these things and fought like anybody else when they were manifesting. And so, practicing the breathing through the pain, finding the loving, finding the the blessing in that particular situation has been a challenge for me as it is for all of us. We all resist pain. We all resist suffering. And why not? That's what we've been trained to do, to fight, you know, to resist, to attack and counterattack. What if we changed our approach and recognized it as a friend that's helping to answer our prayer? for freedom and absolute love. So let's take a deep breath and release the fear, the uptightness, the concern that so many of you I know are feeling right now. Some of you have been recently diagnosed. Some of you are my very close friends. What we don't know is always how it's going to turn out. Maybe the body will be dropped. Maybe your time here is finished. Maybe your big, big prayer to awaken in the heart of God is on its way. Maybe this is the last little bit that you have asked to experience. Yeah, you ask to experience everything in your life. That's another fact. 
You're never the victim of the world. You're never a victim, period. We actually have each invented the world that we see out of our past conditioning, our past experiences, our past ingrained tendencies. Yes. And with a change in perception, the world outwardly changes and adjusts accordingly. So it's always an inside job, an inside shifting of the way we look at things, and then the things that we're looking at change as well. So just, you might want to try it. God knows we have pain right now in our physical bodies for many reasons. Some of us are earth empaths. Some of us are clearing and holding places in the grid. There are many, many things that we light workers are going through now that are horrifically painful. Some days it's hard just to get through the day. There's so much pain. So let's take a deep breath together and breathe into that pain, wherever it is in your body, and send love. Ready? Deep breath. Breathe love into that area that's causing you pain. Relax your jaw. Relax the tension in your body. Relax your shoulders. Take another deep breath. Relax and breathe love into that area. If you find you can't do that, ask Jesus or Sai Baba or one that you love very much to breathe into that area for you. And just imagine that the breath is being blown through you into that area. You ready? Deep breath. Excellent. Just keep overcoming that tendency to resist the pain, a tendency to be fearful about the outcome. I know it's not easy, beloved. God knows I practice this every day. Every day I'm learning. And as I learn, I try to share with you. And that's what I've learned recently dealing with my own pain. And I'm feeling a lot better, and I know that you will too, as a release of fear and resistance that we all have to face and go through. That's part of that devil, I guess, that we face, that ego that thinks it's separate, that thinks it's all alone, that thinks nobody cares, that thinks it's completely left to its own devices. That's the father of lies. That's the father of lies. An interesting fact, when Jesus went to the cross, he was given... 39 stripes. It said that 40 would actually kill a person. And when he was beaten, it's been interpreted by some very great prophets that there are 39 major types of of, uh, disease, that all diseases fall into one of those 39 categories. And for every stripe that he took with that whip, which was... uh, There were little bits of lead and glass 
at the end of The Lashes, any, any of you that saw the movie The Passion, that excruciating scene where Jesus was being flogged, literally tore the flesh off his body, almost to his bones. And it says in the scriptures that by his stripes we were healed, and by his stripes we are healed. So that is probably the quintessential essence of the whole drama that the Master Jesus took on to himself to prove by his resurrection that nothing could kill immortal love. But it also means that we can claim healing because by his stripes we were healed. He took on himself and finished any harm that could be visited onto us through any karma of the past. And that is the gift that the Master Jesus came forward with his Master, the Lord Maitreya, the Christ, who worked as one with him. That's the gift that he came for, to do for all of us, to enact for us as he calls it, the last, what did he call it, meaningless or, or, or useless journey where it looked as if he was the victim of these people who took him and flogged him and nailed him on the cross. It's a very, very deep, esoteric meaning and teaching beneath all of that. Sai Baba explained it to us in one of the seminars because most of us that came to him at that first uh, gathering, we were either pastors, um, heads of the church, deacons. Almost every one of us in one of the interviews I was in was a Western person in some form of ministry. And so he spoke constantly to us about um, Christ about Jesus, about the significance of the crucifixion. And he said that the whole enactment was to to demonstrate that we are not the body and to demonstrate the crucifixion of the false self upon the cross of time-space. And so the piercing of the hands meant that the hands were no longer able to do uh, ego-based works. The piercing of the feet symbolized the fact that no longer would the feet hasten to embody the ego's momentums and agendas. The piercing in the side meant the death to identifying oneself with one's body. The thorns, which are very, very long, I saw them when I was in Israel during two, two of my trips, they're about three, three and a half inches long, and they pierced right into the brain and the, right down to the bone of Jesus when they put the crown of thorns on his head. That meant the dying of all ego-based separative thoughts. And so Jesus collectively embodied everything that we have identified with that is part of the false self, the false identify, identification. And then, by the power of his divinity, his true self. He resurrected and reanimated his physical body. 
according to Sai Baba. That was a physical resurrection. Not the resurrection of a light body, but a physical body that actually transfigured into the divine immortal self. And Jesus said, you know, earlier on in his teaching, he said, if you destroy this temple, meaning his body, I will rebuild it in three days, which he did. And he might say, well, there wasn't three days. Well, by Jewish calculation, a portion of any day is considered a full day, okay? So the ego will come up with all kinds of countering arguments as to why the Word of God is, is not so. And we know that the ego is the father of all lies. So we can quietly dismiss that. Because nothing the ego says means anything. It's entirely insane. It has no comprehension of anything because it's a not-self. It's a nothingness. So dismiss it back into the nothingness. And keep focused on the truth. That you and I... And every one of us are embodiments of immortal love. We are perfect, whole, divine, untouched by any experience we've had in this illusion field of time, space, and becomingness. We don't need to fix ourselves. We don't need to do anything. But remember who and what we are forever. And if you learn that truth through the Bible, through the gospel of the Lord Jesus, if you learn it through the Course in Miracles, which was given by the Master Jesus, if you learn it through Advaita, Vedanta, if you learn it through Buddhism, whichever path, if you learn that, that's all you need to learn. Know ye not you are gods? Jesus asked. Know ye not that you are sons of the living God? Every one of us is the Son of God because God never begat anything but proactive love. And that proactive energy is what we call the Son. That's why the male is often uh, used in the terminology. It doesn't mean, it doesn't exclude the female, but the female is everybody in creation is considered female because we are all receiving the energy of Mahapurusha, the supreme power. So we're all female. I, I think the Gospel of Thomas probably goes into that in great depth, the inner teachings that Jesus gave to a few of his disciples. That's recorded in the Gospel of Thomas. So if you're really interested in some of these deeper aspects, you, you can study these, these things if you really need to. But we try to cut to the chase in these seminars for the simple reason that there is enough information out there about what's happening in the cosmos, what's happening in our interpersonal lives. But there's a certain root teaching that has been given us life after life after life in every religious tradition that we have embraced of. There's been a core of truth, and that's always based on the inner sound current, and the light. You have to have the rod and the staff, which is the light and the sound current. That is what comforts us as we walk through the valley of the shadow of death. And now I'm taking 
portions of the 23rd Psalm that some of you will recognize in what I've just alluded to. <clears throat> the work of the Ashtar Command is primary through this instrument in particular has been working in the consciousness, the realm of consciousness, the specific levels of consciousness that humanity as a whole is working through now to step free of the Maya, to step free of the third dimension, to step free of the programmed uh, inputs that we have all received that has made us identify with our physical body, the physical world as it is, and with the illusion that we're here to fix it that we're here to do something with it. No. The truth is that everything that happens is meant to happen. Why? Because it's happening. All is happening as it must. Why? Because everyone to whom it is happening has chosen that. Why? It's their soul contract. Well, what if they... If they... If they... uh are capsized in, in one of those cruise ships that uh, is capsized and, and, and they drown. Soul contract. What if they die in an earthquake? Soul contract. What if they're present when they're in a cafe somewhere in the Middle East and it gets blown up by a terrorist? Soul contract. You mean we, we have a contract for these things? Well, only an illusion. And tell you the truth, you've never left the God, uh, the heart of God. But yeah, we, the soul comes in with specific things it wants to experience. Well, why in the world would somebody want to experience terminal cancer? Well, when you look at it from the perspective of spirit, it seems like it's a cakewalk. It's like, oh, yeah, sure, I can, you know, I haven't had that experience. So let, me, let me experience that. That sounds insane to us down here, I know. But that's the truth of the matter, is that we are here to have every type of experience. Why? Because God is the soul that's had all experiences, and we are God. Does that mean we have to go through it again if we've already had? No, not necessarily. When you fully, fully experience something to your satisfaction, you will never experience it again. So, soul is here that has for itself, prescribed for itself, certain lessons, certain experiences that it wants to examine more closely through the lens of separate identity, through the lens of uh, duality. Well, what kind of crazy thing is that? Well, we're curious. The soul is curious. It's inquisitive. It's always asking, well, I wonder what that's like. I wonder what that experience is. And from the level before birth, before you get down into this physical enchilada that we call a body, uh, it seems like so easy. It's like, oh, yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll be here for oh, 65, 75 years, maybe 80, maybe 90. And, and during that time, I'm, I want to experience this and this and this and this. And sometimes people like myself, for example, have gone through so many, many lifetimes that you feel like a whirling kaleidoscope. My heavens, I've done this, I've done this, I've done this, I've been there, I've been... You know, we're finishing it off. We're finishing the whole thing off. 
so you and I are never the victims of the world that we see. We have invented the world we see. And that's another quote, of course, from The Course in Miracles. So the, the, the worldviews and the perceptions are always seen through the destiny veil that surrounds each person. We did a seminar back on Parabda Karma, which could be loosely translated from the Sanskrit as your fate or destiny karma. Karma meaning activity or actions that you're involved with that are set up for this particular embodiment. And they're based upon each person's collage of past uh, (coughs) impressions, which in uh, Sanskrit are called samskaras, and vrittis, which are ingrained tendencies. We all come in with samskaras and vrittis, these ingrained tendencies and habits that we have, uh, let's say, really enforced in previous lifetimes. They tend to rule the show until we overcome, uh, you know, whatever it is that those ingrained tendencies are getting us involved with. So almost without exception, drive, ambition, and intense involvement in any area, I don't care what the area is, almost always is is your past seeking a way to work out to divine love and clarity in the present. As you work through things, and you have to have that, that driving need to do, that ambition, that motivation, that energy that seems to push you through, you have to have that to work out the karma, which is the action-reaction of previous momentums you set in place. So when you look at your life and the involvement of your life and the things that you're drawn to do and pursue, you can see what's going on here, why it's going on the way it is, and the, the, the basic uh, area that you are to work through and clear, <coughs> it takes an action actually to clear an action. Interesting, huh? It takes an action like a thorn to remove a thorn. It takes an action to undo an action. Very often of a similar nature. So this helps you to very much identify the game plan for your particular life and what you're involved with. It's very interesting. In fact, you can decode your life and the mystery of your life and the mystery of why things are happening to you if you consider where the major focus is for your life and what you are just by nature um, having to do. That's your game plan. That's the game on. Now, gradually you'll find as you work through your, let's say, predestined activities that you're intensely involved with, as the karma is worked out, the the interest will end. It will drop off. You will no longer have interest to be involved in that area, whatever it is. Secondly, 
your life will quiet down. The drama will cease and you'll begin to be drawn increasingly into an inner focus. You might, for example, take up meditation and really get into it. And you'll find that your interest in the world and the things you were involved with before, bit by bit, begins to fall away as the areas are cleared. Until some few of us are really blessed to have a life in which we no longer have to be involved in outer activity. We no longer have to work for whatever reason, however uh, the universe orchestrates your life. You are put in a position where you are relatively undisturbed by any outer demands or responsibilities. And you can devote yourself more and more to that inner pull to return to your divine sense of wholeness and beingness. You begin to enter into that secret place of the Most High within you into that kingdom of heaven within you, into that place of God and self-unification and realization within you. I'm in such a stage now. I've been in that stage now for the last 12, going into 13 years since I've been doing this radio show, actually, in which I have been able to be in silence and solitude most of the time. And... The whole purpose is to go deeper and deeper and to live immersed in what we call the sat, chit, ananda, or the sense of beingness, witnessing awareness, and bliss. Am I in that state all the time? No. Because I waste a lot of time doing things that I realize now I don't need to do anymore, like watch news, like watch television like get involved in the dramas. Very often people bring to me drama. They'll say, well, I'm in this activity and, you know, I should do this and I should do that and I need to fix this and this is wrong and that is wrong. That's that's that person's karma. If they see something wrong in an area, it's because they have been involved in that area before and they are balancing out previous actions. Outer intense interest in crusading and changing and doing anything of that nature is almost always karma-based. Well, what about the new group of world servers that are here to make a a different world, to make a, a change in the world? Well, no matter how much you try to change the outer world, if you're a student of any kind of history, you'll find that it doesn't get changed. It goes through cycles of the same thing. There is no way to change the outer world. You can only change the inner self. You can only realize the truth behind all manifestation in which the outer world then fades from your awareness. You're in a state of all-encompassing, all-pervading loving, loving harmony, loving kinship with all life. Is that always the state? I mean, do you stay in that state all the time? No, as long as you have a body that's walking around in this world and interacting daily with the world, you're going to have a semblance of operational reality so that they don't cart you off in a white jacket and put you under some sedation in some institution. This Western world does not understand God-realized people. I work with great, great, great difficulty trying to hold the, the bliss that rises up in me. 
It's getting more and more hard. Sometimes I just burst into sobs at the glory of God that I see. The glory of God that permeates everything. The holy names of God that radiate from every living being, every living creature, every flower, every plant, everything is singing the glory of God. I have to be careful talking about it because I'll go into what's called a divine bhav. A bhava, divine bhava is a mood that comes over a person once they've seen the face of God. And when that happens, it's very difficult to hold it at bay. There are more and more of us in the world that have reached this stage now that normally would be experienced only in the seclusion of an ashram or Himalayan cave. And we're being allowed to come out into the world at this time to exemplify what it's like to be completely anchored in the divine presence and yet walking on the earth. It's called a jivan mukta. A person who is free, even though they're still in the body walking on the earth. There is a danger of being seduced back into activity in the world, into trying to make a change in the outer world, which is totally pointless. There is no outer world and there's nothing that needs changing. Everything is working out of previous karma for the people involved in that area. That's why, even at a certain stage of enlightenment, the desire to serve falls away too, as one other illusion. If everyone is God, an incarnation of God, if God is all that exists, who is to be served? Who is serving who? There's only the self and all of existence. So if you really, really, really want to help the world, dissolve it in your loving. Dissolve it in your enlightenment. Where's the world? Sai Baba said the world arises the minute you think of it. The minute you forget it, it disappears. We keep inventing it and presenting it into our reality because we watch the news. We get involved in the media. We get involved in politics. All of those things are illusions, and they are also the karma of the people involved in them. You can really thank your past merit, your past spiritual practice, if you're not involved in those arenas today. Thank God that you're not the CEO or, or responsible for some big organization or, or in a position where you have to be... Um, taking care of all sorts of details and people and, and managing things. That's your karma. If you want to be a leader, you have karma with that. So you become a politician. So you become a big uh, puba in some organization. Bad karma. Well, maybe not necessarily bad, but it's karma and you're not free. When you're free, you're free, and you're only free when you've realized who you are as a divine being that lives transcendentally of the world and anything involved in the world. And you know what? There's not a lot of this kind of person on the planet. But if you are one, you will find your life is pretty simple, pretty pretty isolated in terms of uh, being involved in the world. You'll find that you're being drawn inward. 
And as I said before, you can tell a person that is in that state because they look at you and yet they're looking beyond you and through you to the beloved. They're looking right through the beloved and through you that you think you are into that part of you that is the beloved also. And you'll feel a little tremor when you look into the eyes of a self-realized person because that little tremor is the beloved looking at the beloved and awaking it. It's vibrating it into greater awakening, to greater realization. So look at the deck of cards and the spread that has been laid out for your life and play it full on. Game on. Get into it. But get into it with increasing awareness that these are the elements of your life that you are here to work with and to transcend and to dissolve in loving. When there's nothing else that comes up in you as a response but love, you are free. And then what? You have a free choice. There's no need for you to come back to Earth because you've learned the only lesson that's here to be learned, and that is to be the living love. On the other hand, you may, at that point, choose to come back to help others get free. And there again, you may choose to work from a higher level of consciousness in the myriad of universes. There are seven major paths that are outlaid and explained in the the, uh, books, the Alice Bailey books by the Master DK. So you can research and find out what those seven major paths are. And I think only one of the seven leads you back to Earth. That would be a person that would be like a bodhisattva that would come back. Or you could come back as an avatar. But the choice is free, you see. And so it's not an obligatory return to the wheel of karma and reincarnation. But every time that you're on Earth, there's always a danger you could be caught up again and uh, delay your progress. And so it looks like we're at the end of our time for our sharing tonight. But I think this will give you a little bit of a different perspective on your life and why the things are the way they are in in your life. And again, everything is the way it is because it is meant to be that way. Everything you see playing out on the stage right now in the news and in people's lives where it's drama and it's negative and it's uh, confrontational and adversarial, all of that's karma. It's part of that that poison and that toxicity that has to surface now and be cleansed and cleared and rectified in order for those souls to pass into the golden age and the fifth dimension, the fifth world, whatever you want to call it. So um, let people do what they have to do. You be the example of a person who walks strongly anchored in the presence, strongly anchored in the sound current, strongly anchored in your own inner essence. That line, that sutratma, that completely aligns you with the divine 
as we breathe forward in each seminar and you connect consciously with that stream of living love, living light, living sound, living word that is you, constantly tether yourself there. Constantly bring yourself anchored in that core within you so that you have a solid position in your own sense of being. And then you know you're never alone and you can never be separated. And you will know that as an experiential reality and not something that you've read in a book. You've got to experience this for yourself. No one can give it to you. No one can do it for you. You need to reach in and call yourself forward into that and own it because that and only that is real and eternal. So this has been Lady Athena speaking to you from the Ashtar Galactic Command, working with the consciousness grids of humanity on planet Earth at this time, reminding everyone that in highest truth you have never left the heart of God. You remain still as God created you in original innocence and peace. So we bless you. And we're going to go out chanting on IHU three times. And if you wish, you can just intend that energy to flow out to every man, woman, child, every sentient being on this planet, throughout this solar system, and throughout all of the worlds. May all worlds and all beings and all the worlds be happy. May all the beings and all the worlds be at peace. May all beings in all the worlds awaken to the love that they are each an embodiment of. Ready? Let's go out chanting on I Hue. Deep breath. On I Hue. Blessings and grace. Namaste.